Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. To do well in the Premier League, guys, seeing that league up close, the intelligence, the power of players, the, every team has weapons, every team is well coached, every team has a, a specific style, and man, three quarters of that league is hungry as hell. And then the rest are hungry and talented, like really talented. So you got to bring it all the time. That team was that team. Every single player and every everyone on the inside, the chef, everyone would say, this is not Manchester United standard. It's not. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Crack Podcast. Welcome back, welcome back, The Crack Crew. You're on with your host, Mauricio Mookie Wilson, straight out of New York City. And as always, I'm happy to be with my co-host out of uh, Luxembourg. Let's give a big round of applause, to, please, to Mr. Gucci Onyewo. What's up, boys? Long, long time no see. Exactly, exactly. And all the way from Fort Wayne, uh, the legend himself and Mr. Owner of Fort Wayne FC. You want to give him a big shout every time? Let's get a big round of applause, please, for Grumpy Man, Demarcus Beasley. You like how big you up and then I shit on you at the end? Yeah. What, you like what's, that? what's the grumpy part about? <laughs> Where'd that come from? Only people who love you knows that. I don't know. You look grumpy today. I don't like it. You look grumpy. Did you lose a game? How you team do this weekend? You want me to change my face? What you want me to do? Uh, yeah, yes. Fix your face. Yeah, somebody ever told you that? Okay. Fix your face. How your team do this weekend, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, my mama did. <laughs> you better fix your face, boy. You better fix your, you better face. Fix your face. <laughs> how, how did Fort Wayne FC do this weekend? Uh, we won three 0 uh, yesterday. Uh, That's big. The last last game of the that season. Must, that must have been from your your six v six when you were training and showing them how to do some stuff. Oh the yeah! Oh yeah! Come on now, you gotta, uh, you gotta show how you, how you do it. How's oh, your hamstring? I know, I know you yeah, were sore still, after that. I'm, I'm gonna tell you that it's that second day. That next day, yeah. I feel like I can play. <laughs> Yo, the next day, I feel like I can play 90 minutes. That second day, man, this man played. This man played 20 minutes. <laughs> said I'm out. Yo, we played 66, and it was 12 minute games. How many games? What? Uh, we played. That's a tournament. That's, that's a real tournament right there. Yeah. Yeah, three games, and then to set the so we played back to back, and then the one team sat out. But you did like some shooting drills, mm-hmm. um, some finishing drills, and then after that we made it to the final. So we played the final, and uh, obviously we won. Gooch, you know did they you, cheated because he was uh, the owner was a hundred percent. You know, ain't no ain't nobody want to tackle bees. They be like, oh my bad, sir. My the ball bad. I got, I, I, I got hit him out too. Nobody want to argue by, with him by our captain. <laughs> by our captain. I like nah, man. I felt I felt good, man. It felt good to get hit again. So. I I, I yeah. can't remember who said that. They said they two foot tackled the manager, and two weeks later that player was out of there in practice. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests, events, with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, NFL, NBA, La Liga, EPL, NHL Hockey, Combat Sports, Esports, 
and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAV50. That's B-L-E-A-V number five zero to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts. Who said that? Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I'm so happy to be back. So much going on in the world of football, but we have a special, special guest. We have a, a U.S. soccer legend, Mr. Chris Armis, straight out of Long Island, Brentwood to be exact. I'm super, super happy. Somebody that I grew up watching, somebody that bees, he birthed bees at Chicago Fire, <laughs> and he tackles harder than Gooch on U.S. soccer. You know, he's one of the few. So um, somebody that we want to give um, a lot of respect to, and um, you know, some people don't they forget how great of a player he was, man. Bees, what you remember about Chris? Oh, Chris, um, you know, you know what? I was thinking about this on the way on the way to the office uh, doing this show, and I think one thing obviously he was a, a great player, um, very hardworking, um, the type where he was the first one in, first one out type attitude. Um, last, brought, last one out, last one. Yeah, out. sorry, last one out. Sorry, last one out. That was um, you, Bees, brought, first brought man, to first the club. One. You know what I'm saying? But I'll say this, he he actually loved his role and loved his position that he played it, which was a number six. And I say that because you got you, you have defenders, you have number six, you have guys that aren't just, you know, goal scorers. And they, and, they, and they don't even like defending. They want to go up and score goals on headers. They they want to be cute and pass the ball. I mean, yeah, do we want to pass the ball at the back. But, you know, they just want to be cute and they want to be a forward and they, they forget about their main – a main job is to defend and get clean sheets. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But with Chris, he loved that number six role. He loved getting dirty. He loved marking and being around the the, the team's best player, you know, the number 10 around the midfield. And, you know, um, he, he was a dog, man. He was a dog. Like, he was he was a nuisance in the midfield. And, you know, with Chris, you know, obviously it was unfortunate he didn't make the World Cup team in 02 because of his injury. But man, he was a, he was a player. Uh, if you have any, if any of the, the the young books that the young bucks that watch our show, y'all gotta watch some highlights of Chris Armis for real. Yeah, Armis was like uh, he wasn't that much taller than you, right? Yeah, uh, he was about the same. Yeah, you know, height wise, he's the same. But this dude, his presence was like like a six foot five player on the yeah. field. You know what I mean? He he played much much bigger than his stature um from what i remember playing with him in the national team for that brief stint he was like you said he was an engine he never stopped he was going to give he wasn't going to get off the field until he gave everything he had so he was one of those rare 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 kind of players that you don't like be said you don't you don't see that so much anymore uh, i think this you know certain generations uh, lose that kind of respect for for the role that they're meant to play, um, but yeah, I'm excited to ask him some questions and dig into his, uh, you know, his current life in the last couple of years. Hey, bees, did you see him as a coach, even as a player? You knew, oh yeah, hundred percent. You knew, yeah, you knew, you knew him. Even Jesse, uh, the one that yeah. probably surprised me the most was Ante. <laughs> I didn't think I didn't think Ante was going to be a coach. Um, but, you know, as I know, he's been doing well with LAFC and he's been there for a while. But that was probably one guy on that team um, I didn't think was going to be a coach. Um, but big ups to Ante. Uh, but, yeah, with Chris, yeah, he was – I told you, he was like that – he was a captain. He was a, he was a leader. You know, he understood the game. Um, 
you know, he was a guy that uh, pushed, 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 pushed us every day in training, not just, you know what I'm saying, not just in games. He had a, a very, he had a winning mentality. You know what I'm saying? He wanted to be the best in everything he did. And off how many times y'all win? How many times y'all win together? Uh, we only well they well they won the championship before I got there in '98, okay. their first year, and then after that we went to uh, two finals. We didn't win those, but we won two open cups together. Um, okay. So uh, yeah, but yeah, you know, the, Chris you was Chris is a winner. Cups, right? What's up? Yeah, we won, those. Yeah. we won those. Yeah, Chris Chris is a winner, man. I, yeah, you can see 100. percent You know, his, his just his mindset and how he how he, he viewed and, and saw the, the game of football. You could tell he's gonna be a coach. I'm concerned a lot of our new talent coming out of U.S. soccer do not have that winning mindset because of the, the structure of how you get to where you get to now, meaning like how you become uh, you know, one of the top players in U.S. soccer is a little bit different now, right? Uh, and Chris came from a situation where he had to get out the mud, right? Uh, he, was, he wasn't the guy when he was young was kind of held on that pedestal and kind of given that easy route. He had to fight for everything he got, and he was definitely one of the underdogs, you know? So I think he definitely represents that, you know? I think that, uh, I mean, I think you're right, but I also think that players and generations like Chris and ourselves put in that grind so that, you know, the evolution of sport is what it is. You know, it's not always gonna be the same iteration of the grind, right? Like, I know I had a grind, but I don't know if it was the same grind as the generation before me, right? Yeah. And you know, and so on and so forth. So uh, I, I would say that the current generation, their their path or their grind is different. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know if it's any any harder or 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 or, or less difficult, but it's different. It's different. Um, I can't really speak on it because it. it you know the the academies and all this stuff that didn't exist when me and me and bees were when none of us were growing up you know what i mean for sure for sure um have you guys got chances to check out the mls all-star roster nope i, I have not <laughs> um the interesting who we got who we got who we got, who we got? Check. did they hey did they put bail on it i know they put bail on it before he ever put the ball, right? <laughs> I, know they, I know they put bail on the on the roster check, on, check, let me look let me check, look check the chat i just sent it to you Okay, hold on. But reason. Well, who's on it? You brought it up. So who who's on it? Who didn't make it? Who who should have made it? Well, here's the thing. Right? It wasn't. I wasn't about who should make it. Who should shouldn't. It was interesting to see the All Star game now with so many few American players. Um, do you guys consider that a good thing, a great thing, or or a bad thing? This is heavy in non domestic players. That's for sure. Oh, it's be on there. Yeah. What'd you say? Yeah, people Magby. like Yedlin, Zimmerman. Yeah, they, they yeah, e, uh, Ibrahimovic. Sean Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is Wayne Rooney still there? I think he's stuck there. I think he's Aaron stuck. Long. Aaron Long made it? Yeah. Yep. Yedlin, Zimmerman. And, oh, uh, Sean Johnson's on there, too. Okay, okay. Ooh. Goalkeeper, Sean Johnson. Sean Johnson. DC yeah. United representative, Fontes, good player. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I, I've been watching, obviously. I, yeah, what was your question? So why'd you bring this up? <laughs> well, <laughs> I want to bring light to the MLS, right? And the reason I brought it up is that do you think the MLS now is the, the eighth most valuable league in the world? Do you think it's time for MLS to go back to having two teams for the All-Star face each other than to play against... La Liga, 
um, all-star team? I mean, I see it in both ways. I see it as, um, you know, being able to bring in big name, well, not big name, but big clubs um, uh, to the all-star game. I, I don't mind um, playing against, uh, like when I was there, I played against uh, Tottenham and who else did I play against? Uh, and uh, Real Madrid. So um, I don't mind that part. I think that that part is cool. Um, do I know some? I know some. When I was in those All Star games, I know some of the the chatter was uh, it wasn't a break. You know what I'm saying? It was like it was basically a job. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You get there, you got so many things to do during the day. Yeah, appearances, which is great. You know, to obviously to be engaged and connect with that community that you're mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. and you know, represent MLS in a in a in a community vibe. You know what I'm saying? I think that is important. But at the same time, um, there wasn't no break. You know, it's, it's all, and then you got a game. You, you you got a game on that Saturday, Sunday. You fly in the city Monday, and then you got a game that weekend. Yeah. You play and then you play you play the All Star game Wednesday, and then you play that weekend. And if you don't participate, you can't play on Saturday. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. it's just it's not it's not like a break. It's not an All Star game where you know um, you can just. Do you think relax. you need a break? Do you need a break that time? I wouldn't say you you need a break, but you know what I'm saying. I just think it can be where the guys can relax a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Gooch. They're, they're in an all-star. They're an all-star. Gooch, my question to you is, do you feel that players are slighted because there's only one team and you can't you can't pick, you know, 22 guys or you can't pick 25 guys? To well, make that's, what I, that, that's, that's why I differ with Bees in the sense of as they're expanding this league with all these teams, don't tell me you can't feel two good teams. That's entertaining. West, West, or, yeah, that's entertaining right now. I mean, I get it, the, the marketing aspect of – Playing against you know foreign competition, Liga MX or or top European clubs, that's more for like ticketing and fans in the seat. But like if we're if we're saying that <clears throat> we're raising the quality and the caliber of the play every year, and now we're in the top ten best leagues in the year in in the world, then we should be able to field two opposing teams that can put on an entertaining match and. Yeah, put on a show. And I, I, I definitely feel that there's more numbers of all-stars or players that have performed this halfway through the season than the numbers that they're given, you know, and, and that's sliding those players that probably aren't the commissioner's picks or aren't the play, the, the fans' votes or aren't, you know what I mean? Like, yes. it always happens. It always happens. I think they need to go back to that East and West. I liked it. Um I mean, it, it gave bragging rights, yeah, right, for the rest yeah. of the year. I like there that. Ain't no that damn happened. bragging rights in an all-star game. Stop it. Didn't they do Stop one me. time the all-star game where wherever, wherever, no. if East won or West won, that that side would get the yeah, host? You would, uh, host the, the yeah, finals. they did do that. Yeah, they did. But I think now, because all, all this money that you know MLS is getting that, that you read about, uh, it should be an, an incentive. You know, you, you see it in the NBA where they, uh, you know, they the, the, the team – each quarter, yeah, well, not each quarter, but I'm talking about like at the end, the winning squad gets a set amount to you know to to um, charity to, to raise money for charity. Yeah. yeah, so it should be something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like everyone has their own charity, or they do it as a as a team, as a, the East yeah. or the West, or they do it individually. Say if they win, everybody gets say ten grand to put towards their charity. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, the and biggest problem to be me with the All Star Foundation. Games, what's up? They really wanted these kids to. The biggest problem for me with the All Star Game is that. It's during the week. So it's supposed to be a fan experience. So fans from outside of the city that the All-Star is having, that where the All-Star is being located, it's hard for them to get there. 
Yeah, so gotta, if they really gotta go to work. Yeah, they really need to do like a Saturday Sunday situation to really, really get a chance. But ladies and gentlemen, let's get a big round of applause, please, to the legend. You a soccer great and uh Long Island finest. Let's get a big round of applause, please, Mr. Chris Armis. Chris, so you say you're not at home. Are you on vacation somewhere? Listen, uh, my family lives in vacation mode these days, but I'm at my, <laughs> my sister-in-law's place out in eastern Long Island. So Beautiful. Yeah, my mom, uh, you know, um, Bees, I know you met my dad. You know, he passed away two, two months ago. So I'm not far from my mom's house. And uh, one of my brothers, thank you, one of my brothers is in town. So, yeah, we're just hanging out, a bunch of people. Um, and I get to hang out with you guys for a little while. It's good. So, Chris, I just want to let you know that when we first came up to do this podcast, The Crack, you were one of the first people we wanted to get on this show. Um, you know, you tell everybody that or no? Yeah, I, I was literally just about to say that. This is his this is go-to. This is his go-to. That, that, is, Listen, that is bullshit. Beasley's 10 years younger than me, but I'm, I'm a, I've been around, you know? Nah, that is yeah. bullshit. Hey, you talk, you're talking to a New Yorker. Come exactly. On, Come on. Not only a New Yorker, he's from Brentwood, New York. He's a straight shooter. <laughs> Have a word. You know, the straight shooter, but just, hey, Chris, you just gotta let him do what he does. Just let him talk. Okay. Just let okay. it go. Hey, I'll listen. be good. I'll be good. Listen, we, we, um, you know, we always spoke about the top players in New York and in, in, in U.S. soccer, especially about the players who never get they, they do and they're just. And we always spoke on yourself and our boy O'Brien, you know, as two players who some people kind of forget about. Some people don't realize the impact you had on U.S. soccer and what you did. Um, if people don't know Chris, I always tell the story how I grew up watching you in the Bayshore Express and um, and you coming up playing with my cousin and my brother and um, going to your games at Adelphi and your games at Long Island Rough Riders. But, um, you know, not enough has been said about the type of player you were and the winner you were. And I just like to start off is um, what made what you think um, made you the player you are like in your upbringing? Look, man, I, I would say this, you know, thanks for having me on the the, the show here with you guys. Um, thanks for those words. I, look, uh, like many of you on the call here, um, listen, you get opportunity in life. You know, we play the game because we love to play the game. It starts when you're when you're a young kid, probably for, for all of us, but it's something deep inside. And um, whether I was at the Bayshore Express or at Manchester United, uh, thankfully, certain things just have never changed. You know, mm. what makes players good, what drives players, what makes the very best really, really good. And that's something deep inside. It's not something coaches give you, honestly. They can teach it certain things and tactics and guide you. Um, but the things that separated us and the thing that helped me was just this God-given inner drive to be the best I could be and do what I could with what I had. And um, I think I got really good at that. Just knowing who I was and giving everything every day. You know, some guys lose the hunger. Mm -hmm. I never, ever lost it. And guys like Beasley would come around and you realize, yeah, you got to be you got to be at your best all the time because they're they're coming for you. these young guys are coming and Gooch knows it as well that that yeah it's the competitiveness thank God he everything mattered to me to win yeah. and I wasn't a sore loser but I was 
maybe I was a little sore, but I wasn't a bad, <laughs> I wasn't a bad loser. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I could shake my hand after, but I, I wasn't It's funny that you say all that. It's funny because you're literally pretty much repeating what B said, like the qualities that he liked, loved in you, you know, like leaving it all on the field, knowing your role and playing that to perfection and not worrying about anything else besides, you know, what you can do well and how you can affect the game. So that's a great, great, great little uh, trinket of, of advice to drop to this kind of generation. You know, I'm too old to use it, but I wish you would have <laughs> given me that. <laughs> no, but I mean, and I, and I said, and I said, you know, uh, in the beginning of the show, uh, when I was speaking about you, Chris, you know, the thing that just what you just said, it was every that's what that's what I learned. You know, I was 17, 18 years old going to this to this fire team that had, you know, international stars. They had U.S. the U.S. national team stars. And it wasn't just about how talented you were. It was about if you could do that every single day, every single day. Can you try to be a, the best player, or the best person uh, that you could be every day in training, the way you come to training, the way you leave training? You know how you take care of yourself every day you have to be at your best and that's one thing that he you know chris you just said it was that i, I learned you know uh, from you and from that squad uh when i at such a young age great yeah what, what was your thoughts on this scrawny little 17 year old from fort wayne indiana who <laughs> had a professional contract um coming into to to uh, the fire chicago fire well one thing i can take credit for and no one ever would know this I'm the first person that said he can play left back. And no, not even he knows that I've talked to the coaches at every level saying, why not? Because at that time, no one was talking about these attackers that could play these attacking roles. For me, full backs and outside backs, why? It's almost none of, not enough of them understood how to the attacking end of the field. So why bees, not? Bees, Chris is the one that made made uh, Bruce want to put you at left back. Yeah, probably. And, and Bob at times. <laughs> but listen, it's 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 not, you know, you, you can say, well, when guys get older, that, but it's for me, it's one of the most important positions on the field because it's as you try to attack centrally, the, the, the flanks are big, but to having a, a two-way guy, listen, it's what I, what I know about Bees and what I always remembered about him was and and I looked at players a certain way. Like he, at first you say, oh, he's a, yeah, he's wiry, he's quick. But that was, that that was so not the story with him. He was, his best quality, and people wouldn't realize it again because he was so quick, because he can get by guys. Is that he was intelligent? Because those attributes, without his intelligence, quite honestly. He's a six out of ten. Then he's quick. He's a quick guy that not so out of sure he, can, he can use yeah. the weapon. <laughs> so, what what I think he'll always be remembered uh, in my mind was just a, such a a breath of fresh air to the pro game. A young guy coming around, fearless. You know, just really okay. Is he a little nervous? Yeah, maybe, but fearless. Never played scared. Always played with joy. Um, Again, a breath of fresh air to, to the Chicago Fire, onto the national team where you say, whoa, and quickly earned respect, not as just a young guy. And he established himself quickly because he worked hard. He was good energy. Everyone loved him. But most of all, they respected him because he was a good player. And like I spoke about earlier, and we have this quality 
on this call here. He played to win. Mm. And this is this is a big quality in itself. And everyone probably plays to win. He could actually sway things, right? Like when things are close, whether it's the national team, whether it's the a World Cup, he can make a play. Not because he was just good, but he had a, 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 a mindset that... Uh, Beats, how, how much, much money did you pay this man? How much money did you pay this man? <laughs> Listen, oh, on, I, t- I, t- hey, I text him this morning like, hey, Chris, man, I need a couple. <laughs> That's the truth, guys. I'm sorry. He's, texting, he's texting him right now, like, say this. <laughs> now say this. <laughs> that is the truth. Appreciate it, Chris. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah. Yeah, appreciate it. So, so you being 10 years older than bees, what was that like on the road with a 17-year-old? I mean, what the hell can you talk to each other about or do? You know? Yeah, we used yes. to, uh, in the mornings. I used to ride. I used to ride a training with these guys in the morning. Chris, CJ, yeah, because yeah, we all lived. We all lived in the city. Um, they live like right, right in the city, right downtown. I live in the city, but maybe um, you know, toward you know, Madison and Jefferson, Chris. Yeah, um, yeah. That that uh, the, the West Loop. So, uh, but yeah, we used to ride a training together. You know, what I'm some saying? guys so, need some young guys need constant reminders, but Bees was not one of them. He was a. Uh, he came from a good family. He had a lot of good uh, values built in. The, the things you try to teach young guys, work hard, put your head down, don't talk too much, you get fouled in training. He had a lot of that built in. So in all reality, like I said, early on, he didn't do much talking. Like uh, he knew when to talk and when not to talk. He, he established himself by, by being a good young player. So listen, we had family barbecues. We hung out. We would go out. He was yeah. one of the guys. And when you're an older guy, you still, I'm 49, I think, like a younger guy. You still, yeah. you're, you're in with the team. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was not, we had a good conversation and we had a good friendship. We would, but um, I think it was, uh, yeah, much more like a, a equal, you know, teammate. Of course, a mentor in some ways, I'm sure, but yeah. Chris, when, throughout your career, you had so many, you know, um, honors, right? Written Supporters Shield, MLS Cup, you know, uh, MLS um, Top 11. Uh, Gold Cup winner, but do you feel that you had to always prove yourself every year and never got a chance to kind of rest your shoulders and know that you're going to get the respect that you deserve? You sound like my mom, and that's a compliment. (laughs) Because my mom and my brother, they think, yeah, you didn't get all the... Guys, I played for the U.S. national team. You know what I'm saying? Eight straight years where in two World Cups that I was got injured right before, I was going there as a starter. Not yeah. because I'm in my dreams. I was actually starting on the team. I was named whatever it was, 2000 Player of the Year. What does that mean? Yeah, you're voted best player in the United States of America. That, I did it, guys. Like eight years on the national team. I played whatever it was, a total of 15 years professional soccer. Like, if you told me when I was a kid that this would you sign up for this, there's nothing I would not have done or paid to do it. So, listen, you know, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and, and, and uh, Bees, they get the recognition sometimes maybe for scoring a goal. Gooch, myself, yeah, we can put out fires for a living and, and be good guys that can carry our weight in the biggest of moments and the biggest of games. So... Listen, you know, there was injuries, uh, uh, not many, but a couple that kept me out of the World Cups. Um, but in terms of the real people that, wh- like, who it really mattered to, you know what I mean? Like the, the home fans, they treated me well. All of my coaches believed in me with minutes. Don't tell me I'm good. Just play me, coach. They played me all the time. I never came off the bench, thankfully. Like, yeah. I played a whole career of that. So 
where do I need that recognition? My family, they think I'm the world's greatest thing, you know, ever. But I didn't play a glorious position. But my if my teammates were handing out bibs or pennies, I'm getting one early on. First one. Where do you need yeah. where do you need respect? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the greatest honor. Uh, I played the game because I loved it, guys. Now that's not old school. That is that is the way to to be a champion, you know. So I played because I loved it, and uh, I actually felt really appreciated my whole career. So bees, keep it real. Who tackled harder, Gucci or Armis? <laughs> I would probably say, well, well, Gucci was just gangly. So <laughs> I would. Uh, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that even mean? What are you talking? Gucci, Gucci a, gang, a, gang, a gangly tackle. He's long. Yeah, right? gangly long. Gucci, listen to this. We played a game in Hartford once on the national team. Now, you might not remember this because you and I collided heads. Yes, yes. Let, we knocked each other out almost. Listen, here's the thing that's important on this call for everyone to know. I got up first. <laughs> <laughs> the Maryland Listen, boys are soft, no Chris. Joke. Nowadays, concussions, and some days I don't have all the... The, the, the memory that I should have badly. But that no. collision, man, was a bad one. So whose fault and was that? that? Whose fault was it? Who didn't call? We were ball? both looking at the ball and not the player. And like we were trying our to head, clear a set piece. Yeah. Like this, and our heads just, our bodies just went. Just, Jeez. I, rem- I remember that, too. I was like, man, this yeah, man. smart ass head. Damn. So, so, yeah, so, man. Gooch was a great head, teammate, man. What an honor playing with you, brother. We didn't get to play enough, but we had some good times together. That's for sure. We did. We did, man. I was telling, I was telling, I would have much rather play with you than bees, but you I know. I knew you were going to say that shit. I knew you were going to say that shit. <laughs> Obviously. I can play left back and left wing. <laughs> what, is your, what is your most memorable moment as a U.S. soccer player? My most memorable moment. Um, with the national team was when we qualified for the O2 World Cup. Mm. We were at Foxborough, you know, we're in, we're in Boston and we won our match and, you know, we're waiting to hear. We're just standing on the field and we're kind of like, okay, yes, we took care of our business. And then boom, we got the communication that we, another result went a certain way and that we qualified for the World Cup. I can't tell you what that meant to a, a kid that didn't come from a whole lot, man, that had a lot of dreams. Speak about it, brother. In that moment, I realized I'm going to the World Cup. So when you talk about like accomplishing something and just being part of the the best team in the country and know that I'm going to have a chance to go play against the best in the world, um, everyone was kind of happy. And I I couldn't look at anyone because if I did, I would have started crying. I just, I didn't want to hug anyone. I just, it was an emotion that was incredible. Um... You know, that, that day had to be the, the greatest. I mean, even more than my first first cap. Um, the emotion of that day was uh, uh, just just remarkable. So, yeah. You, you know, I talked to these guys, uh, especially Bees. I said, you know, did you think that Chris would be a coach while he was playing, while he was a teammate? And he said, that's a no-brainer. You know, when did you, real, when did you realize that you had a passion to, to become a coach? Um... I would say when, when in the middle of your career, and I, I know all of you guys can probably relate to it, when you're a player, I, I think I'm going to play forever. I'm invincible. Injuries, age, that's not 
that's not my language here. That's for those guys. Like, I will play forever. I didn't think too much about after, you know, what am I going to do after? Because the thought of not playing, this didn't sit well with me. You know, this is a fear of fear of not being able to play this sport anymore pushed me hard. Um, but I will say that along the way, I did enjoy the coaches that I had, and I, I paid extra attention thinking, yeah, hey, one day, you know, maybe one day down the road to, to uh, my college coach, Bob Montgomery, to Alfonso Modelo, to Bob Bradley and Dave Sarek and you know, Dennis Hamlet and Bruce Serenely. These guys all had something interesting and different that I said, wow, that's an interesting way to lead. Mm, I don't like that. I like that. And I was asking questions along the way to them, to myself. So I enjoyed uh, the, the camaraderie. I enjoyed the locker room. I enjoyed the team. I enjoyed um, getting a voice as I got a little bit older to, to lead, lead people. I think I, I had a way with people. I think I had a high level of competition in me. And I know the game. So what makes well, listen, a good coach? You know big shouts to Bob Montgomery and Alfonso. But between Bruce and and Bob, who you think had who you think you played better under or fit their style more? Yeah, it's interesting, man, because it's it's the national team so different than club ball. You know, mm. it's when you're when you're playing on the national team and you're playing in through two World Cup cycles and, and most of that time, man, you're you're as you said, proving yourself. Me, I tried to prove myself every single time because you said John O'Brien, there was Pablo Mastriani, and there's Richie Williams, and every which way you look, there's guys saying, "Come on, man, I'm, I'm, you mess up one, you take one wrong step." I had this mindset that no chance, I'm not letting it go. So you live on the edge with the national team, like uh, I don't know those World Cup qualifiers. No chance were we not qualifying for a World Cup. This is how we never like this. Is, was a mindset that not on my watch. You could almost have that on the back of my forehead, not on my watch. I'm not letting him down, no chance. And that's a great place to live, and it's a terrible place to live because mm -hmm. you you want to enjoy it a bit more, which yeah. you enjoy the result and the qualifying. But fuck, like this was this was uh, so Bruce Arena. I think it was a much more disciplined role. Here's your role: you got Claudio, you got John. Win the ball, destroy. Discipline, hold down the fort, transition. Yeah, and he brought he brought a, a, another level out of me. To be honest with you, Bob um, Bob got me on the details. Sit down, Chris. Let me show you this. Let me show you that. You got to do this better. You didn't peek over your shoulder. Why didn't you switch the field? Yeah, like that made me better. Like the, Bob had me every single day for those years, yeah. and and. That was tough on some guys. It wasn't tough on me. I could handle that, those details. And I, I loved it because I, I, I excelled under Bob. So, so I can't so answer which one. For me, they both pushed me to a different level at the time. So, so, so with all these coaches that kind of contributed to your style, you know, I like this, I didn't like this about him. With your first coaching role, like what kind of coach did you want to be in that role? Yeah, it's interesting. I... I I wanted to have the details of of, uh, of Bob Bradley, you know, and and um and the work ethic, to show up early and really crank on details, um, the management skills of Bruce to really manage a group under pressure and to make it to make you you're on your toes, but I love you too. Really nice balance that he could 
he can do this. And, and to be honest with you all, working with Jesse Marsh for three years, Jesse had a lot of that built in himself where he was really good with the locker room. He was tough on guys with details. Um, and at that same time, me and Jesse are very different. So our personalities, um, I, I was able to coach the philosophy of, of a more of an up, up, uh, up tempo, pressing energy with the ball. Let's attack without the ball. Let's win it back. This, as we say, Red Bull philosophy, but I mean, it's, you can go on about that. What is Red Bull philosophy? You know, it's just a more of an aggressive style of play, which I actually can relate to because I played that way. I actually see the game that way. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a combination from different people, but the way in the simplest way to say it is, listen, it has to be details for me when I'm coaching. Um, but I need the players to play free at the same time. And I, kind of how I want it to be coached. I don't want, I don't have, I want to get the best out of a player. So I can't have him too uptight and too thinking about all the details. So to, how can you get a guy to be the best he can be playing free within a philosophy? And this is, I think the people skills, the football knowledge that, you know, I think that is what gives me a chance as a coach. I'm glad you spoke on it. Cause that was one of the questions I had is that what is the Red Bulls philosophy? Cause obviously you know, it goes across all the Red Bulls teams, you know. And well, listen, I, thankfully, I joined them in 15. So I've been in this mindset seven years and I've been over and, and, and some might say, oh, yeah, we don't really play the Red Bull philosophy. Well, and, I, and you say, what, what do you mean by that? What is the Red Bull philosophy? And not a lot of people can answer that. Of course, they'll say, oh, yeah, it's pressing, but it's Everybody so presses now, right? For, yeah, but like, yeah, everyone presses, yeah. you know. There's high pressing, there's mid block. I, and, and thankfully, I, I, I was around Jesse. I got to work with Ralph Reinick recently, but in those years, I would go to Germany in the off season and work with Ralph and see how they're doing things. It was uh, Marco Rosa. There was Julian Nagelsmann, even when mm, Tyler Adams Julian. was there. I'm watching them in training. Well, is this Red Bull football? It's pretty expensive, talking about possession, talking about ideas and, and making the pitch big. I thought Red Bull football was just vertical. So it's, I think in, the, in, in when you talk about Red Bull football, for sure, it's, it's this mindset to be dangerous when you don't have the ball, right? That mm -hmm. a lot of goals are scored in transition. So whether you're high pressing, even in a mid block, are we really moving, thinking together that we can be dangerous when this ball turns over by winning it and now we go. And then with the ball, there's always, as much as you, you might want to move opposition around and occupy certain parts of the field, the idea for me still, if you're talking Red Bull, it has verticality in mind. It's not, you know, if you can do it in 100 passes, can we do it in 50 passes? Can we do it a little bit quicker? Um, and as much as you want to attack the center of the pitch, you, ha you might have to get into wide areas before you can do that. So, honestly, I think it's just about high energy and tempo and aggressiveness as a starting point but then you talk about all the phases of the game and it gets each coach does it a little bit differently definitely definitely and obviously you were successful with the red bulls um when you took over and and then um what was the reason that they thought about going a different direction from you the red bulls because again you didn't win the mls cup but you guys i believe won the supporter shield or you were guys was you know you were top of the league yeah listen i i think you know, when I when I took over, I took over for Jesse. Yes. Um, 
you know, in, in that year, I coached, you know, that second half of the season. And as much as I still would credit Jesse in the media, I would go out of my way and say, listen, Jesse's Marsh is part of this. You know, mm. I, I, had to, I had to pick 20 lineups and run hundreds of training sessions. So I, I and we went on a big run and we actually did Huge. better in that second half of the season. And we, we rolled through the playoffs. We beat our boy Burhalter in the in the playoffs. He got through them three nothing on that second leg. And we had some good moments. We lost that first leg in Atlanta. And it was it was tight. There's a VAR call. It could have went our way. Guzan was he blocked? And the margins are thin. But yeah. I honestly think that the entire Red Bull family, the the, the fan base, that was our chance, right? Yeah. It was a big chance. And yeah, we fell short. If we won that leg, we're hosting the final. So there's disappointment after that, for sure. Okay, come back that following season. And that's when they, you know, we, we lose Tyler Adams. Yeah. And to be honest with you all, that's a big loss for any team. And uh, it was a big loss for us. And we didn't replace that. Wright Phillips was hurt all year. And ask Golden that's, State Warriors. The they goal. lose their two best players. Life, yeah. uh, Stephen Clay. No, but like Steve Kerr doesn't become a bad coach, right? Like mm. they were like in last place all of a sudden. What happens? He's a, sh- a terrible coach. No, I mean, we were doing in, in some of our best work in 2019, to be honest with you. We finished in sixth place. We mm. played, I think, Phil Union, number one seed. We're winning yeah, two nothing in that yes. game. Yes. I think that's an important fact that you that you just put there. Like Steve Kerr doesn't become a bad coach no, just because the result. You know, yeah, and but, I think but, people don't people don't realize that, and they they always yeah. want to crucify mm. coaches when when yeah, the results listen, aren't going well for listen, them. You know, part right. of the business. I, I get that, and then in those moments, Josh Wolf in Austin needs support. Right, he needs Claudia to stick with him a bit after year one, and he does because um, he sees some good things. And and listen. In 2019, it was just a we, – we lose in the playoffs. And, and yeah, some, is that successful? Is it not? You got, someone's got to judge that. 2020, that was COVID. And we got off to we – we were in the bubble. We came home from the bubble. We're 500, and I got let go. Um, and no one ever said, uh, here is why exactly. But they made – they have their ideas, and maybe they're bringing someone else in and – I think the fans were making noise too, and that puts pressure on people to make decisions. Either get rid of your coach or support your coach and bring in players. We didn't bring in players that were, we didn't get that right. But I I personally think, I personally think they got it wrong um, because, and right now in my position where where I'm over here in Belgium, you know, because I would be put in that position to get rid of a coach and I had to. But I don't think given your past, seasons with them and then taking COVID into consideration, taking all these other factors, I was like, that was really negligent of them to do. So, so in my opinion, that's my, you don't have to, you don't have to agree. You don't have to agree. You don't have to agree. It's, 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 it's heard. It's appreciated. Look, it's again, something has to be done in those moments, either support the coach. What does that mean? Support the coach, bring in players and now replace Tyler and Wright Phillips and, you know, certain players that we lost in Grella and, and now make a run and see, or bring in a new coach, which they gave the assistant coach the rest of the year. And then they brought in a new coach from, from uh, Austria, which mm-hmm. that might've been in the plans. I don't know. No one says that. Right. And, and crazy enough, I got 10 games with Toronto, I had, right? The following 
year I have 10 games in charge in Toronto on a team that, quite honestly, that needed change. That team, the first thing you see is, okay, we're in you need to, you need to get You need to get into the details of Toronto. But guys, like, <laughs> I coached 10 soccer games in in for the Toronto FC, Toronto, FC, Toronto like, Fucking, we're in Florida for the whole time. Like, that's ridiculous. Guys, let's get back from our bubble. We can't play any home games. I, I'm sure I'll be the only coach in the history of any sport to never coach one home game. And and with Chris, we got, we got to talk about I that. Didn't, I didn't even really, I didn't even realize that. We, wow. we got to talk about you. You guys were so far. We guys were in Please. Florida, right? So listen, it. We're. I show up in Toronto in January of 21, and. Uh, yeah, start coaching in Toronto within the, the pandemic, which meant, yeah, you got guys getting COVID here and there. No problem. We, we created a bubble in Toronto, but we couldn't train. They finally lift that. And now we start training in Toronto and we realize with all the restrictions and you can't use this and you can't do that. You can't eat together. We have to get out of Toronto. So the club decides and we all decide, let's create this our own bubble at a resort down in Florida. So we're in the Champions League. Um, I, I stepped into that. Um, we win. We win. No one gave us a chance. We, we, uh, we win a round of Champions League. Um, big results there. And guys like Pazuelo are hugging me saying, I can't believe it. You're an amazing coach. I love you. Like it was really like an interesting time because I'm like, okay, I'm connecting with Josie on a certain level. As but People made so much of the Josie thing. That, they, that me and him had this, me and Josie were fine and, and things got blown out of proportion. But anyhow, I'm connecting with Josie. I'm pushing Michael Bradley all the time. But there was a lot of history at this club, but it just needed some change. Guys, I promise you, if I know anything of the game, when you get the rosters need turnover, that team has accomplished as much as they can. Yeah, He needs to get traded. He needs to go. He's not good enough. There was a bunch of things that needed help. And it was easy to see that, in my opinion, because I'm the coach. I know how we want to play. I know what we where we need to go. And I also know that you have to have hungry athletes. You yes. have to have guys that that not all did, players. Did, that did Michael Bradley rewarded. lose his hunger? What's that? Did Michael Bradley lose his Never. hunger? Never. Hungry as ever. Mm. But he needed help around him, and he needed to be pushed differently. Um, he needed yeah, other it's, players. It's, I, I, don't, I don't think Michael – as you get older, your game changes. It has to adapt in a certain way. Like I don't think Michael could have functioned like the Michael Bradley of five, six years prior, right? No, it's different. He, but you know, he. We had a couple of young players that could play next to him. Osorio was hurt all year. Pazuelo, big player, didn't play for us. He played one or two games all season. He was hurt. Josie was injured. It was. We had some major, major challenges. Which I'm up for it. No problem. I'm up for challenges. Like I can work. I can. I will never make excuses. I'm just going to work and pull out the best of this team. Anyhow, we go to Florida. Put we create a bubble. We play our home games out of Orlando Stadium, and we're yeah. We did not get through. We're out shooting teams. We're out possessing. We had statistics. We were not getting results. Um, as time went longer, after the Champions League, we just were not getting the results. That's straight. And now, again. 10 games in, or I think 11 games in, I get fired. And I, you can see that the fans are making noise because they want to win. Yeah. Greg Vanny, my, my friend, he let, leaves the club and he says, the, the club is in an amazing place. The next 
person can take this and win. That was not that. That was irresponsible. <laughs> but I would tell it right to yeah, right. He's a, he's right. a used, used car salesman. Take yeah. this car. <laughs> take this lemon. <laughs> lemon of a franchise. It, for him, it's a good statement. Like, but it's not. That wasn't the truth. That wasn't the truth. And um, if we look at what has transpired since then, right? They finished in last place last year. They, with all healthy players and home games, right? Things didn't change. Didn't Why? Change. Because the coaching was terrible. Maybe, but you guys so, decide. So, Chris, so Chris, when you, when you, when you, when you actually looked at the team, you assess as a coach, as a new coach, you assess the team, you assess the players, where we at, this is how I want to play. Okay, I need this, I need this. When you went to the board or the general or the sporting directors and the owners, and you said, okay, this is what we need, or this is what I need, you know, yeah. to, to play the football yeah. that I want to play. That's why you guys brought me here. So. When you went to them and you said, okay, I need this, this, and this, what was that conversation like? Yeah, the conversation was, okay, taking notes. We got this. I'd have a, a schematic with players. Here's players we can think about trading in time. We got time. Like I have a three-year contract. We want, we want this today, but we got some time. COVID, things it might take some time. There was calls coming in. Would you take so-and-so from LAFC for this guy? Yes, do it. Freshness. We got to get some freshness. And this was being talked about because it was being okay and uh okay we'll get back to toronto we'll make some changes we'll okay chris i hear you on this one you got to give me some time on that this is it was a uh, as if you would think business as usual and conversations weekly roster meetings every week not every other week every single week on zoom with our head scout with we're looking at players we're looking to add we're trying to make some moves um and i was th- under the thought, like, I'm good. Like, I'm making decisions, not, of course, every game you you have to win, of course, but I'm making culture decisions. Yes. No, yeah. that's not happening here. You cannot do that, so-and-so. Why'd you guys bring me here? So, and I'm not a, I'm not a disciplinarian. I'm not like a, I'm not a thousand rules guy. I'm a man manager. I know what's real. I know how to win. I know how to talk to people. I know how to coach. I know, yes, uh, I know how to build a culture because I've done it. I've done it. I've been part of that. I did it at, at the Red Bulls, honestly, and I did it as a player in Chicago. And some would say that in those years that Bees and we were lucky, they haven't recovered building a real culture, which takes, that's an everyday thing. That's yeah. the, and I barely got started with that. So yeah, that, that was some hard decisions, some longer term decisions. I was playing young players um, because we had a lot of injuries, but I was also the philosophy and young players. We wanted to push this young the Canadian players thinking, yes, this is going to, we're going to take some lumps early on. We're going to win some games. We're going to lose some games and they'll be better for it in a year or we move on. But um, so Chris, this, this was a crazy, this was a crazy stretch because it was crazy enough being away with the team. Um, no one's in their own home and a lot of players not in their, their families and again no home games and it's yeah thanks for everything you're out which yeah, uh, yeah. most of all that I didn't get to finish the job I, yeah, I was excited for this project that's bullshit but, but Chris speaking of truth uh, we had Josie on here and we asked him about uh, the supposedly conflict that was reported <laughs> between you two but obviously something happened because he was uh boxed out and wasn't able to play yeah. but he said you had nothing it was nothing between you two like you guys were good you know and you guys had an understanding did you just have to maybe make a point 
to you thought was best for the younger guys or for success of the team that you had to kind of reprimand Josie? Listen, um, I'll, say, I'll say this first. Before I even spoke to the team, I called Josie and said, Josie, I'm, I'm, I'm Chris. Chris, I know who you are. He was in national team camp. And I said, hey, give me a buzz when you, when you can. He goes, I'm in training when I, when I, as soon as I'm done. We spoke. Josie, I'm going to lean on you. I need you. I can't wait to work with you. Um, I'm going to push you and just give, give all I can to help you. Still, I think there's ways, come on, can I help you even more? But what, an, what a great thing I had, man. And, and from day one. And then it wasn't just, okay, see you later. We sat together. We looked at video, put together video for him. Let me, let's look at your, some of your movements in the box, some of the pressing. Josie, excellent, coming back into the game. We had some really good talks where we hug after, boom. You can coach me, Chris, he says. And I said, Josie, it's an honor, you know. And we talked about a national team brotherhood. He tells me this. Um, I have a lot of respect for him. And I'll tell you what, in that locker room, he's well-respected and well-liked. Um, and... I mean, I was just the guy on the scene. This was his club and um, his city. And and uh, you know, so from that level, and I and I'm also like even working with a kid like Beasley. You gotta let bees be bees. You gotta let him. He's got his number seven chain. You gotta let him. <laughs> got to do that because that, then he's gonna be free and himself. And this is important. And for Josie, the same. I'm not trying to change who he is, his core. Um, in fact, I want to add to it, and I want to know who you are. So, yeah, he would – we had some good moments, me and him, to be honest with you, and it was deliberate on my part at least. Yeah, when I made a decision with the club to, to – you know, he was suspended for a few weeks, and, yeah, there was, it was just a decision to say um, – and I explained that to him, me. It wasn't the club. It was Chris and Josie, Coach. right? It was – and and I asked for it to be the club and us, but no, it was you know, Chris and I, it's you and okay, so guys, I'm, it's it doesn't matter. I will speak to Josie straight. And I said, Joe, look, this is what it is, man. I'm trying to build something in this this, this incident, whatever. And and uh, I said, okay, and that was that, you know. And it was never going to be that he wasn't going to be a big part of things, and it wasn't going to be part of the plans, and it wasn't going to be that as he was coming getting healthy because he was coming off an injury. Yeah, we're trying to push the minutes and push the starts. And yeah, listen, I have only respect for Josie. And uh, I wish I could have worked with him long term. But uh, yeah. But, but I, it's, it's not only, easy, especially the competitor like yourself, to only get 10 games and not be able to finish the project. Yeah. Mentally, how did you deal with that? You know, uh, when, you're going, when, you, when you're leaving, going home, seeing the press reports, not being able to go back on the field and coach and do what you love th that next Monday. How did you deal with that? Well, two things, you know, and I have faith. Um, because of that situation, I got to spend a lot of time with my dad who had a year left to live, number one. And then I got to work at Manchester United, which was a dream situation. And this was, had, it's its own story because it's toxic in, in some ways. Mm -hmm. But Are we going to get there? <laughs> otherwise i wouldn't be there right isn't like that crazy how do you how do you get in those doors which okay but i would trade in the time with my dad i swear to you because i made the decision to go work for toronto and i would trade in the, the manchester united time to lead that toronto team because i believed in the project and i believed in the people that i was working with and i saw a lot of 
a lot of good in the roster. It just needed change. And Bob Bradley would probably say, yeah, this, this is a major overhaul needed. And they're still at the bottom of the league, guys. Like, and they've made, they've gotten rid of a lot of these. You guys probably know that. And Bob's like, whatever, we're bringing in Signe. We got some guys coming in. Nope, this is, this is a long-term project. Right, but anyhow. Um, he's give, he's yeah, given that time, right? He's, he's given that, that yeah. opportunity. He'll be given the time. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully they realize it's not the manager right now. It, it oftentimes is, guys. It is, yeah. I, I haven't played for every manager that has it all put together, but yeah. But oftentimes it's not the manager. So, um, so where the hell were you when you got this phone call that you might have an opportunity to go cross the pond, a player who's never played in Europe as a, as a professional player, yeah. he has an opportunity to be a, a part of the biggest club in the world. Chris, where were you, what were you doing when you got that phone call? Yeah, I was just in New York at home and, and Ralph Reinick sent me a WhatsApp and uh, he wanted to speak with me. And I have known Ralph, um, you know, let's say, yeah, from 2015 with the Red Bull family yes. uh, he's became the like a global sporting director overseeing austria bragantino and brazil um leipzig and new york and he would come watch training here and there once or twice a year i would go to germany we'd go to dinner we it wasn't like this tight working relationship because anytime i'd go to germany he's those guys are cranking they're they're in the middle of their season champions league it's I'm just hoping to get a few conversations and get to watch training and, and pick up as much as I can. But anyhow, Chris, you're being modest. Something must have happened that you, to you earn his listen, respect. What, what happens is this: when they, when Ralph Reinick comes to New York, he's watching, yeah. and he's he's not like, uh, you know, in the in the meal room watching out the window. He's on the pitch, pitch. right off the nice. side. And he's in the he's in the video sessions. He didn't always say, "Hey, Chris, come bring it in. Nice job," but he was watching. He's watching. And he said to me, Chris, I'm, I'm going to be in Manchester. I need help. I need support. Someone who knows the philosophy, someone who can run training, someone who can work with me and, and believes that in, in this. And I said, Ralph, you're asking me to join you at Manchester. When? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a uh, you know, What did well, your, your son say? Quick. It happened quick, right? I mean, it's. This was in December, and I was there in December. So it's it's. Uh, I mean, when things, you tell your two boys, um, listen, was, I'm packing up. On the next. When, when you tell your two boys, um, I'm packing up because I'm going to take a job at Manchester. What do they say to you? Yeah, man. They just. I was, at first, I'm like, guys, listen, we had our family meeting here. You know, <laughs> my guys are 17 years old and 20, and my wife's there, and pretty much. Uh, look, I have a chance to go. When I said Manchester United, it was. <laughs> I'm like, they believe you? What do you think? Believe you? What do you think? They thought you were joking. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Cursing, cursing, <laughs> f bombs. We get a what? Get no chance. Like, well, guys, I'm not so sure. I don't, you know, what? You crazy? So it was. I mean, it was. It was on the next flight, pretty much. You know what I mean? So crazy. Yeah, listen. You get a chance to go get in those doors. It's it's you run through those doors and you give everything every single day. And you it, with all that you have, with trying to have some social sense of okay, you're a guy here. You're here for six months. Easy, Chris. Don't get. But I connected really well with those guys. I'll tell you. Beautiful. 
I had a, I had a good good time over there. I pushed as hard as I can. The team was it was a difficult time to be there. Um, what, what, what would you say is like right now? Because it's obviously not the Man United that we grew up watching, right? Or the culture yeah. or the result the results. What do you think is the biggest difference of the the hump that they're trying to get over versus like yeah. Gooch, I think we're gonna we're seeing it now that Eric Tan Hag has come in, and he's he along with his bosses are gonna bring in one some talent, but more so hungry, motivated, moldable guys that play and run for the team. That's what the team you know in many ways. Um, you can see that 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 it's not about are you hungry, are you good, are you? Do you want to win? Do you are you are you can you hit those levels above Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham? We finished in sixth, right? So it wasn't like we're not terrible, but it was a down year, disaster as some say. But yeah, like those teams are at a different stage right now. You can't even talk Liverpool, Man City, forget it, right? Chelsea's coming off the Champions League a year so you're you're it's 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 challenging levels at this point it's not about being good you have to ha be on it and with that to do well in the Premier League guys seeing that league up close the intelligence the power of players the every team has weapons every team is well coached every team has a, a specific style and man three quarters of that league is hungry as hell and then the rest are hungry and talented, like really talented. So you got to bring it all the time. That team was that team. Every single player and every everyone on the inside, the chef, everyone would say, this is not Manchester United standard. It's not. So what do you do? You try to push and you try to get into that top four, which we were right there with a few games left. And we lose to Arsenal in tight one. We finished in sixth. But who'd you lose to? Oh, he's oh, okay, okay. I, oh, I hear you. God. Here we yes, go. We know. Here yeah. we go. So, so, so great, great, great. Before you start, Mook, um, so do you think it was, or is it a combination of both, the players and the front office not, you know, having the yeah. right mindset of what they're trying to get to, or is it, you know, what what do you think was more of the problem? Yeah. Players? Often. I would say that, listen, man, you know, I, I always will come back and look at ourselves, the players, and say, guys, come on. You know, whether you're getting paid for this or not, or paid a lot or not so much, you owe it to the badge. And, and, and what the honor that this means to play for the Chicago Fire, the whoever, Manchester United, like, who's to say that badge means more than the next one? But come on, this is Sir Alex. This is, for me, it's the royalty. It's it's. It's a benchmark and not just that the team has been successful. It's the way that they've done that. That's a team known. People would stop me on the street. Chris, yeah, listen, play the young players. They're hungry. Like they would, they just wanted to see a team. I mean, if you're play for Manchester United and you start passing the ball backwards, they start getting on you. They don't want it. They didn't come there to see it. 75,000 are coming to watch. They want to be on the edge of their seat. So before you put that Jersey on, you gotta know, man. Come on, you gotta go for it, Sir Alex. What that was that? Just the luck that they would get late goals, stoppage time. He's pushing the the ARs over there. A team that never gave in. A team. So how does that happen? Well, when you have Roy Keane, 
and Skulls, and you can go down the list. Those guys were not allowing anything to dip and they're never giving in and you lose one they're not losing two this was a a mindset and a culture that somewhere along the line this this i think it slipped so did it slip all the way no but i mean i think what we're seeing is yeah sometimes the the coaches have to get that out of the players oftentimes the players have to come on demand more of themselves and each other and i think that yeah the the if you're talking about putting together a roster, yeah, I think strategically, what does this team need right now? They, listen, after two years ago, they finished in the second place. And they added, you know, a few players, Cristiano, uh, Jaden Sancho, Rafa Varane, you know, and you could say, okay, was it, were these the right signings? And this is, this is always up for debate. You know, that a year later, you're in sixth. What happened? Did we get that right? Was the dynamic of the team? And what, I think what, what, what I can't debate now, though, Chris, is the talent, right? The Sancho, I mean, everybody in that, in that squad, regardless of the fact of the, the, the play, are world-class talent. Um, do you feel that the coaching staff maybe didn't connect or get a chance because of not, the, not who the coach staff was, but because they knew you were on borrowed time. They know that you were only there for six months. Was that an issue? For sure. It didn't affect, okay, Jaden, here's the exercise. It didn't affect anything you're seeing, but... When Eric Ten Hag comes in and has full support, call it, he's going to be here for three years. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's bringing in one, two, three, four players. You'll see by the time the season starts, it'll, it's it might be eight new faces. Who knows? But you know, out with some guys, in with some freshness, wow. hunger, uh, a real specific style of play they can implement. It's night and day what an interim manager Ralph Rangnick can do. Ralph came in and had ideas of what he wanted to do. But yeah, they clearly weren't, were they really going to push for Ralph to hit a home run? I don't know. They didn't, they didn't add one player. So yeah. that's not me talking bad about the club. It's yeah. the club didn't Reality. add not one single player in the transfer window when we were right in fourth position. Why not? Well, I don't know. That's for that. I didn't, I didn't have that conversation with them. So imagine it's a blessing and a curse. Like for me, I'm only grateful. They treated me I promise you all, like, tremendously. Upper management, coaching staff, Darren Fletcher, they treated me as, as I'd been there forever, and they were amazing. The players had a really good rapport, top to bottom, young, older, superstar. But the frustrating thing is you find yourself with this gift, like a, a pot of gold, whatever you want to call it, and it's I can't carry it. It's too heavy. Like, How can I? But you would think, Chris, that you know, at some point one of these players would step up and you know, you can't always put it on the manager, right? And these leaders on the team, who? But who the thing is, the, the leader. The, the, the issue, the issue. I think one of the big things with Manchester United is, if you're talking about like Roy Keane and all schools that era, those are people that grew up within Manchester United, so they actually knew the system before they got to the the point that they were at the pros. Right now, it's like there's a bunch of talent for sure, yeah. but it's talent from everywhere that doesn't really understand the the mechanism yeah. of, of the Everybody's brand still fighting you're, you're for, their, right. for their career right fighting for their legacy too I, I'm, and it's a different no, it's a different you don't fight for your legacy you fight for the team first your legacy is a counterpart of that it's like a, it's a product of fighting for the team that's where your legacy becomes you don't fight for yourself first and then oh the team's going to be second you know what i mean I, I, in my opinion no you're right it's it's, it's true like you I, again, I think Gucci. It's it's perfectly said. 
So then when you ask, yes, is there talent? There's talent for sure. Like individually, there's guys that can do a lot. But, you know, one, you have to truly, how do you become a team when you are when you are in many ways divided? It, it, like that doesn't go away right away. So so where was the right divide? To, today, we're, today we're a little bit divided. Tomorrow, yes, we're together. It's not, doesn't, that's a process and it takes time, which sometimes it takes a coach to be there for a, a while and, and implement. And sometimes it just takes... Honestly, let's be honest, five players out, five players in. And the five players in have to be guys that can, hey, not here. No, no. And that's what it is. That's not bad. It's not. That's what it is. There's no other way. And what Jurgen Klopp, if he if he doesn't have some success and he doesn't have some power, yeah, he can't really the power. get it done. But over time, yes, and then he makes decisions and they keep bolstering the squad. But there's a culture that's strong. It, it's, no it's, it sounded to me like certain players were undermining the coaching staff. Listen, here's the thing. No one comes out. It, it was always sources say training sucks. Sources say, what sources? How yeah. come they, if players yeah. are saying, why didn't they ever say it? Yeah. So the media was against Manchester United too. Mm. Our time there. Yeah. It I mean, was, I, I even saw. You didn't know where saw, it was coming from. Agents, yeah. players. It was honestly missiles from everywhere. Everywhere. Like, it, it, as you're trying to build a team, I mean, <laughs> Bam! It starts. You start doing this, and boom! Start doing this. Bad results. Starting doing this. Media. Starting this. The captain sucks. What are you talking about? Yeah. Why did? Who's putting that out there? Like, yeah. and that's yeah. coming from players' age. I promise you. Like this is, and and guys, we all know that. Like, the sacredness of a locker room. Like what happens in these walls? That's not just BS. Mm-hmm. That starts. Mm-hmm. We would have meetings and then lineups are getting out. You know what I'm saying? Like, guys, <laughs> what? That's not Ralph Reinick's fault. You know but what Chris, I'm do you yeah. think that? And I, and I, oh yeah, and I, I even because I even read something that Fred just said. I think it was a couple of, a week ago. Is that obviously you know new team, new new coach, and blah blah blah. But he said he hopes this year that the things that stay in the locker room stays in the locker room. Mm. Like he came out and said that. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, like it seemed from his words that there's someone in the locker room or somebody going ahead and saying this to the media or saying it to the agent and then putting it out because he made it. He made a, a statement and said, "I hope that things stay in the locker room." This yeah, season. because and Fred means that wholeheartedly. If you have a whole team of Freds, you have a team of that's together and they play yes. for each other. Yes. If your number is cold, you give everything. Your number is not cold. I love you. He is a great guy. This one. And not just yeah. a good guy. He's a he's a good player, um, and and even him, he would take some heat in the media. But he was reliable, and he was a good team guy. So I know that he genuinely means that. Yeah, he so, loves the team. He plays for the team. Some people say that it was a wrong relationship for Ralph and this team, meaning the the the, the quarter team, the type of players they had, could never be successful under Ralph's system. Well, Ralph Reinick has never failed. So he's taken a team from like the seventh division and then he's in the Champions League in Germany. If you bring Ralph Reinick, you got to let him do his job, which is build a team. You can't but this do that. Wasn't that. This, this, no this was this saying, was a like, band aid situation. Right. So, so but, was but it listen, por- listen, but let's think about it. If you really think about it the way I've thought, like, why would they bring Ralph? Right. Yeah. Why, or I don't know. No one says it, but like, Ralph is a really credible guy in the football world. You know, there's a lot of noise and unrest, and he's a guy that can maybe stabilize things, and he did in many ways. He did in many ways. He stabilized, and things were just coming apart, to be honest with you, for the last month. You can feel it. But he's he's uh, 
He's going to take it's a six month situation. He's going to come in with and not be rattled by big personalities. Yes. He'll be able to kind of set a tone. He's going to kind of get them in, aligned with a style of play that, you know, that that can maybe be suit the Premier League and some of the guys, you know, like, you know, Ralph's a guy that can come in and steady the ship. He did that. And I, I, I honestly think that if another manager can come in, they could have finished 10th. Easy. Mm. The way points go in that league. You know, we didn't get. We, we went twenty games. We, I think, lost two games or three. We, we had a run of games. We were hard to beat, and it got it. It things you could feel it getting tougher and tougher as the summer was coming, and things that you know, again, that I would say are meant for the locker room. Yeah, I'm not going to be on a call and, and air dirty laundry. Of, but yeah, it was just a big challenge, and I don't know a manager at six months that can do it. And all along, imagine three months in. We know a new manager's coming. So, so you agree? It was a stupid. It was a stupid. It was a stupid situation. To, like, if you're gonna bring a manager in, at least don't announce it to the world that he's only there for six months. Listen, it's again, it's uh, interesting I situation. They, 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 no, I, no, I, I don't think. I don't think that's a. I don't think announcing that he's only gonna be there for six months. I think it was what Chris said. Why do you bring him in then? If because you know he builds teams, he builds right. But how can you build, build a team, a team from, in six months? But that's not what he was brought in for. It was only six months. So why did you bring him in? That's oh, okay, that's, exactly. That's, you should, should have brought in somebody else. Maybe somebody or else. Or, or Michael Carrick was in charge. Yeah, yeah. Left, left him. Left him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Why would you listen, bring a person like Ralph? But in? listen, it's. I think that it's important for a club like Manchester United to still like you know Ralph. Who knows what what happens if he wins twenty games in a row, and they finish in fourth, like a third, like you know you never really know. But they brought in a credible guy in the football world who could manage big personalities. So, so, Eddie so Cavani, what was your thought process, Chris? There's a did lot you, of big personalities. When he brought he um, offered you the job, he said, "Listen, Chris, you're coming in for six months, and then after that, um, you know, you, you know, good luck to you." Or did you did you think this? I'm gonna go there, bust my ass, be successful, and then we might take this to another five years, or I might be able to stay in stay in Europe as a coach. I I uh, I went there on a six month contract. My idea was I'm going for six months, but I also know football and the world of football. If you do really well in the and team, all of a sudden, yeah, uh, yeah. you could find yourself staying at Manchester United. Yeah. And if Ralph Rangnick leaves, maybe I would stay if, if they offered, but that didn't happen. You know, I, I uh, had a chance to join actually Jesse Marsh in Leeds and I decided to come home. Wow. But I made a decision with my family that this was the best thing for us right now with a lot of that's happened for us, but, I could have stayed over there. Um, so, geez, so this leads me. This, this leads to another question. So now you, you, you know, not as a player, but now as a coach, you got a taste of this European football. You see the difference now versus MLS that you've played in. You've been successful in. With all due respect, it's not to the same level, right? Your next, because you're gonna, you're gonna end up somewhere, right? Your next gig. Would you prefer it to be in Europe, or would you? Prefer yeah. to be back. I, I would think the next step for me is is in MLS to be a head coach again. That's what I think the the next step for me is. If if the timing was a little better, I, I could have easily linked on with Jesse because one working with Jesse, two having a be a first first team first assistant team manager, like this was a big thing. And the Premier League for me, this was this was a treat. This was high level. I think even right now, the standard of that league, I mean, you talk about even the teams that got relegated, you know, you know Watford's, 
there's just no easy games at yeah. all, which yeah. I think makes it so impressive for the Man Cities that Liverpool that they can just win and win and. But this was the, the league is just so interesting when you, you're match planning. You're thinking of okay, what is their strength? How do we take it away? Where is the weakness? Where is the space? What do we do? Should we sit back? Do we go? You know, how do we control spaces? Do you, you know, you got certain weapon on that part of the field. This and, and every team is is challenging you this way. And this was for for me and my brain and what I got. This is, I love it. You know, this I, I wake up early loving to go solve these these world's problems. But I would think if I'm not linking on with, let's say, Jesse or something like this, which I chose not to do that right now, that MLS, if, if I choose to go that route, it's, that would be a logical move for me to push Did you? I, where sorry, I left off, you, which was really yeah. uh, New York. I did, got to Toronto and I, my, and my tank was full and I barely got going. So. Hey, Chris, when... Um... Just before we get off the the man the man United um, talk, did you uh, receive um, support from uh, Sir Alex? Was he a guy that was in 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 your corner? Did you guys have conversations? I uh, met how was your relationship once. with him? Yeah, I met him once, and it was my first game there. Um, young boys, it was the last game at the group stage. Um, our team was through. I couldn't be down on the bench. Um, I wasn't in the bubble yet. I'm sitting with the assistant uh, or the manager's uh, partner, and uh, Sir Alex had asked to meet meet her and, and a few people in the room. They asked me, "Do you want to come meet Sir Alex? Do you want to come meet Sir Alex, the legendary <laughs> Sir Alex Ferguson?" I, I've read the books. I've listened to the books on like, and I went into his suite. Um, I walked in the room thinking it was going to be Sir Alex, but there was like maybe ten people. So I stood by the door and let her go. I, I'm, I thought to myself, maybe it's not, maybe I shouldn't be, you know, I, I didn't want to overstep. But then everyone kind of looks my way and I go around the room and I said hello and just introduced myself. Hi, I'm, I'm the assistant manager. How are you? I'm here with Ralph. And I, the last person I spoke to was Sir Alex. And I said, Sir Alex, it's, it's just a, what an honor to meet you. I promise to uh, give everything uh, to try to honor the work that you've done in the past. And he goes, yeah, it's, you know, a lot of work to do, and, and uh, you know, it's great that you're here. Um, you know, if you need anything, let us know. And I said, yeah, we have someone in common. I actually, uh, bees. I said, you know, Ron Stern, who knows, who's met him in Chicago, and he's showed them around a bunch of times mm-hmm. there in the summers. And um, he goes, oh yeah, is the is the dad, uh, the uncle, still alive? I said, yeah, no, he is. And uh, that was it. Can you guys inform um, me who Ron Stern is? I mean, Ron Stern <laughs> was our team administrator at the Chicago oh, yeah. Final. Oh, thanks. Yeah. But when, when Manchester United would come over to Chicago in the States, He'll take care he would of them. And, and help them find the best bottles of wine. And then, <laughs> um, but anyhow, that was it. And it was, it was a highlight um, only because, you know, I, I, I haven't read that. You know, of course you dabble in, and I, I read a lot of, of literature and articles and let me read this. I've, I've studied Eric Tanhag. I, I like, I like the tactics and, but Sir Alex, I, I, I was the culture. The what? What did he? Why did it work so well? And this got me going. So to meet him at Old Trafford, again, the kid who came from uh, Long Island over here, nothing like this was special. And you know, sadly, at the end of the season, something comes out in the media. The season is over, guys. And something comes out that says, "Yeah, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson when he meets Chris Armis, talked to him the other day and says that." 
you know, you have to have a better resume, you know, than, than oh, Chicago yeah, Fire in Toronto. Wow. You got to do better yeah. than that, son. What wow. does that even mean? It, it's just <laughs> whoever whoever wrote that should be fired on the spot. That person should be fired on the spot because people listen to that stuff, and that's yeah. It's just an incredible lie. Well, Chris, yeah, I read what, that. What, I mean, that's and that's and that's and that's Europe. I mean, that's that's, that's Europe. Why, that's, what, that's, even these, yeah. The, the yeah. interim assistant manager season's done, and it's not even true. What are you saying that for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't talk anything. Nothing I mean, about it. I'm going to name drop. I mean, I'm going to tell Sir Alex, hey, Sir Alex, listen, just so you know, I coach in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, could you imagine, like, and then you have a choice. When Sky Sports says, Chris, you want to call and talk about your time in Manchester United? Part of me is like, you know what, just go and just vent it out. I'm like, you know what, I'm not doing it. I'm just going to bring more negativity and, and stuff. Stuff. Can, You'll just, only, do the crack. Only just do it on the crack. <laughs> I only worked as hard as I could and delivered good work over there, I promise you. And then stuff comes out that that's you know you got Juan Mata and guys saying Chris what a session love it boom hug then players training sucks like what are you talking it's just not true it's not yeah. what about the Ted Lasso foolishness that comment yeah, it's, that's that, that stuff so it's like UB says it's Europe you know yeah it's yeah Ted Lasso right because again think about it you guys know me fairly well really well I'm at a training session for Manchester United. If I'm running that session, I promise you, I put a lot of thought into it. Yes. I know that one, how many guys, I know every little detail of the session, and I know guys like Ronaldo, and it has to move. It has to have some energy to it. Mm -hmm. It's got to have some playing. It can't mm -hmm. be too – I got it. So – and I'm not the guy, rah, rah, yes, guys, bring it in. Come on, like yeah. I didn't. I watched a few episodes of Telasso. Yeah. I get it. I get the idea, but again, I, I'm yeah. the assistant manager. I'm here, so I'm not coming in with this voice. I'm a guy that slowly I'll earn the respect, which I did. Juan Mata is telling the sporting director leads. Chris is an amazing coach and a good mm. person. You can hire him immediately. This is they're telling me this. So that's the, the respect that I know you, you earn, but it wasn't through. No offense to Ted Lasso. Yeah. You're gonna be back. You're gonna be you say all this MLS, you're gonna be back in Europe. Don't worry about that. You you got bit by the bug. You're gonna be Listen, back in Europe. I got there. bit by no, I did, man. Listen, we went to Atletico. We're in Champions League coaching against Simeone and, and yeah, man, it it, it was in, it was amazing. I mean you guys have experienced some of that stuff, but it's just to to to, to yeah, got bit by that bug to be exposed to just a different level when you don't, you know, it's out there, right? When you're seeing it twice a week, live, mm. up close, and that's where you want to be. So, you so, know? so Chris, I, I know you have family, have too much time, but um, speak a little bit about what you think you will bring back from obviously the Premier League and what you experienced there into your next position in the MLS. Yeah, look, I, I I think that what I was exposed to there, um, and much of it was good, like these standards of the way a club is run, like all different aspects of the club and the video department and analytics and set piece coach and um, the, the meal, the meals, uh, sorry, like the, the meal room and the, the levels of what I, I think that I would I would demand even more to come back and say this has to be. Let's raise the standards. Um, but m most of all, I think when you go to a club like that, it's m 
you have different uh, as much as you just stick to who you are um, because when when you're in when you're in it you got to only rely on who you are and what you know you can't fool those guys so when you're having a one-on-one -on -one video session with Bruno Fernandez yeah it's you got to know how to deliver that when the manager looks at you and says Kurt Chris go ahead I'm thinking he was going to deliver it and he's looking at me okay so boom and I Jumping. I think it's I think it's so much about sticking with your guys how to manage your captain, how to have discussions with guys. Hey, you're not starting today. I mean, that's a star-studded roster. Yeah. A lot of guys not dressing, not – this is the man-manager part, dealing with Cristiano Ronaldo, having talks with him. And I feel like uh, if I can be in that locker room and have certain discussions and, and honest discussions with Paul Pogba, that's why he puts his arm around me and goes, Chris, you got to take my number, but we stay in touch. Like, yeah, like I reached him yeah, because I yeah. told him the truth. Well – you got to – how about just – I know the manager didn't play you, but why not just be the best player in training now every single day? You've won the World Cup. You're an incredible player. Like just every day be the example of what it should look like, man. Come on. And boom, he – I think it resonates with some guys. So for me, that's not uh, something new for me. I've been around players, but, but those guys was – I think the man management part – even even for me was something uh, maybe I'll use the, the next way and of course the you grow tactically you think differently about how when you're trying to play against a Liverpool or a Man City and sometimes you think you have no solutions like you're always looking for solutions for your team in, with the ball without the ball that part of the field this part of the field what do you do when you don't when you just think they're better and in every single way and, and then you start talking having these discussions and so so whether it's little game planning ideas and how to how to attack certain certain things that way, I think I'll use them for my next uh, stop. Beautiful, Chris. Chris I got to get this because I like to get you know sound sound bites out of out of guests. So I got I got I got a question for you. I don't oh, know if boy. it was before, before Toronto or after Toronto. There were whispers, and that's because I'm a DC native that you were about to be the head coach of DC United. Yeah, and I saw headlines. It's done. Contract signed. It's done. Agreed. And then all of a sudden, it didn't happen. It was done. It was, wow. Meaning we didn't agree. We we were, it was done. Meaning I wow. want you, and thank God you want me. I love it. Let's go. We got there, and we and uh, it 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 fell apart at the very end. Um, the contract talk. It was it was. Honestly, listen, I, I'm not going to say much more than um, I was set to go there. And, and uh, you know, no one makes you sign a contract. And I was going to sign a contract for, for a few years, less money than I was making. Even It doesn't even matter. I wanted to coach that team because I saw I wanted to work at Paul Ariola. I thought some guys in that team were really interesting. And the Donovan Pines, these guys were really interesting to me. The Paredes, some of these young Paredes, players were interesting yeah. to me. And I said, okay, this is something. They're, they're, they need direction, and I think I can help. But um, it's the first time that I saw a negotiation kind of just get taken off the table. Um, and it, Like and, the last minute? Like last minute, literally last just minute. like just, pull the rug out from under you. It's just – People make decisions. Yeah, I'm not part of their discussions, right? Maybe they had a change of heart, but we were right there. Um, so, and I was, and 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 it was, and I knew Toronto wanted to speak, and I said no, I want to go here. 
I told my agent that I want to work with this team. And, oh, you can make double the money. I want to work with uh, DC United. Um, and I felt they believed in me, which they, maybe they did. But um, ironically, they kicked our ass. Uh, DC kicked Toronto's ass. That was the last game I coached for. We lost like 7-1. <laughs> Again, you know, on those days you feel like a terrible coach, but they um, just get they just get jobs at Manchester United. Um. <laughs> That's crazy. Listen, I, I, That's great stuff. It's uh, yeah. So yeah, that, there was that was true. That the DC thing was real, and uh, yeah, listen, it just sometimes the timing it's just not right. And then again, the path went elsewhere, and who knows? You know, my my journey's uh. There's a lot left in the, in the story, Chris, I think. I'm going to have to ask sure. you, these guys hate my Mookie questions. One of my Mookie questions is like for the fans, right? Um, U.S. soccer has a World Cup coming up. If you were the head coach of U.S. soccer, give me your starting 11 for U.S. soccer. Oh, come on. I'm not doing it. You have to. You have to. I'm you not have doing to. It. You got to. It's just an opinion. I want, it's an I opinion. Want Aaron, I want Aaron Long in the uh, center back. Yes. <laughs> Red, Red Bull. That's the, that you birthed him. Who else? Of Who's course, your left back? Tyler. I think we're going to play with two sixes just to lock it down. Okay. I know that maybe it can look like a 4 3 3 at times, you know, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one of them can rotate higher. But uh, maybe McKenzie, let's see, uh, McKenny. Um, what's the new guy's name that's been playing next to B's? Who? Next to this. Central midfield is playing next to, uh, to next to uh, Tyler, rather. Oh, Musa, oh, Musa, Musa, Musa. McKenny, Musa, and uh. So your two sixes would be McKenny and, and Tyler. No, Musa. Musa, okay. And where are you paying McKenny? Um, the attacking. Higher. Higher. Obviously, Pulisic. Um, it gets tricky now because I like a lot of these guys up there. Um. I'd have to think about the striker, but probably going to get Brendan Aronson on. I love um, him. I, uh, listen, for me, I, I'm going to go to that World Cup and, and surprise people. We, we are going to go there, and, and I think we're going to give them a lot of trouble because that, that – I mean, what my lineup that I'm saying is not going to be far from what they've been doing and what, what they will do because it's going to be energetic, guys that can make plays in the final third, guys that can press. We're showing it. But um, You, you start in Timothy Weah over Gio Reyna? Look, right now it's tricky for Gio. I love the way he plays. Right, He's, he brings something different and, and intelligence. If Gio is healthy, it'd be hard to to leave him off. But then, who's playing striker, false nine? Like this is it's tough. Listen, if I'm if I'm the coach of the national, I got to put more thought into it. Yeah. We have good fullbacks. <laughs> we have speedy fullbacks that can get forward. I don't know. I think yeah. uh, Sergio Des. Best is 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 he's not your style of player Sergio, though, right? Sergio, he might not be Robinson. We have Sergio, Sergio. Who is Sergio? Sergio. What about what about goalkeeper? Who who are you starting, Zach or uh, or Turner? If you if I had to answer it, I'm saying Turner right now. Turner, like I just I know we've talked about like you guys got to be playing. Who's in form? Who? But um, I don't know. I think uh, I that would be mine. I, that's what I, said. I said Turner as well. Yeah. I agree. Last question. Leeds United, they brought on oh, two American players. Can Tyler Adams, <laughs> I know it's your boy, could he play on that Manchester United team? I think so, yes. Mm. I think the thing that the fans would love about him, of course he can cover ground. Like, yeah, that's great. But 
he plays on the edge, man. He, he goes for it. He's not scared. And uh, some would say to, and, and have said that for Manchester United, you have to be more technical and handle the ball differently. And, but, and, and, and Tyler still will get better in that area. But I think for what that team needs right now and the, 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 the energy he would bring, the, um, kind of like what bees would inject into a team, I, I, I do think that he, he would be a good Manchester United player. You heard it first. Mr. Chris Armas, thank you so much for taking time. All right, fellas. Big shouts to Appreciate the family. Chris, man. Um, good luck Not. to your boys. Um, All right, guys. And enjoy your summer. And when you do get your next job, you have to come back on. Fair? <laughs> I'm around, fellas. You know that. Appreciate it, Chris. Right, nice seeing you guys. Right. You Say too, hi brother. to your family. Peace. All right, boys. Too, B. See you, man. See ya. Bye-bye. Mr. Chris Armas, baby. All right. Well, Moot, Gooch, take us out. You take us out this time, Bees. You ain't never hey, take us out. Hey, all I'm saying, hey, what a great guest. Uh, I'm a, lucky to call him a friend. Um, I've known this man since I was 17 years old. So to be able to, to see his his um his whole career from playing uh, coaching going to man U, and you know um him being so candid about his experiences um uh i enjoyed it i enjoyed listening to the to him speak so um i hope you guys i'm sure you guys uh did as well um but yeah you know another episode of the crack like subscribe push Follow, share. Yeah, follow. That's it. I always put the follow. He said push. He said push. Push. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, fellas, man. Like Until next time, big shouts to everybody and uh, much love to the crack crew. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.